Bash here, just a quick trigger warning, something that the video game LA Noir never bothers to provide. This episode discusses scenes of sexual assault, murder, and racial violence. Listener discretion is advised. Please take care of yourselves. Welcome to the One Up podcast, the monthly gaming podcast that was once described as being like four of your mates sitting around a pub table chatting about games. This month we are talking about LA Noir. LAPD, we'd like to take a look around. You need many things for a conviction, young Phelps. Female dumped the end of Hill Street. Hard evidence. Come on, we have a clue. A motive? What's in it for you, Cole? More glory? And best of all, a confession. Are you gonna tell me? I am the host this month, and I am Bash. And with me, I have got Becky. Hello. Chip. Hello. And Andy. What up, fuckers? <laughs> what up, fucker? Oh, that's that's a thing now, is it? Yeah. Yeah. It it took off, so okay. I'm making it my thing. <laughs> it took off with whom? Loads of people. I mean, they were mostly spitting up drinks, but <laughs> it's a reaction. What sort of market research did you do to find out who was spitting drinks when you did your intro last month? They just told me on the if they're on a card. Maybe oh. they wanted me to do the dry cleaning. I don't know. <laughs> So I know we'd normally go around the table asking what everyone's been doing, and we're going to. But first, I, are you all sitting down? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't really podcast when I stand up. Oh, hold on. Yeah, I am. Because <laughs> big news in the past month, I fell in love with an open world RPG. What? <gasps> it's happened. Am I the only one gasping? Who are you? And what you've done with Sasha? <laughs> yeah. So I played obsessively. <laughs> Um, near Automata or near Automatos, as I've been calling it. Um, <laughs> it's a Japanese RPG. It's got hack and slash. It's got big lady with a big sword and lots of robots. And I just, yeah, I really, I've dug, I've dug the shit out of it so much so that I have roped you three into playing it for a later episode of the podcast. So, but like. Guys, I don't like open world games. So, and like, I, I'd love to know what it, what specifically about this open world game because I, I've now played it, captured you because it's not that different from other open world games, other than being slightly smaller. I guess we will find out in <laughs> October or November, whenever episode ten. No, is. Maybe one of those. Yeah, one of those. Becky, you mentioned you played this. What else have you been up to this month? Um, I've also started playing Titanfall 2, which is a departure for me. I'm not usually very good at first-person shooters. I remain not very good at first-person shooters, <laughs> um, but I'm enjoying it. Um, there's a cool time travel mechanic at one point that um, I liked. There's like a puzzle element to 
finding your way around the environment, which is great. And also shooting lots of people in the face has been quite cathartic. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. And big robots, right? Big robots, yes. Yeah, yeah. nice. I feel like that's become a theme so far of the games we're playing is big robots. Yes. <laughs> Chip, have you been fighting robots? I'm always fighting robots, but not in video games, actually, this month, weirdly enough. Uh, I'm still playing uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey because that game never ends. Uh, <laughs> like a little bit more burnt out on it <laughs> than I was last month, but still enjoying it. It's still really good. It's a lot. A lot of the side quests and stuff have a lot more substance than Origins. Um, it looks really pretty and there's a lot of stabbing. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it still, but it is very large. And Andy, what is your robot fighting status in the past month? Hmm. I've been playing um, Super Mario Odyssey on the Switch because I am obviously still like a, a new newborn Switch dickhead. And there, there is kind of a robot fight in that. It's mm-hmm. a robotic hat. Which is oh, yeah. Cool. The hat grows like arms and tries, you, you can wear it and punch Bowser with it. I love the hat. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's, I, I, I really want to do a Super Mario episode at some point because all of those games are just amazing. Speaking of games we enjoyed... Um, not L.A. Noir. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad we're that, that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all that, and that's all the podcast that, this month. What happened to staying neutral talk, at the beginning? Yeah, all that talk about let's just neutral and trick people. I couldn't do it. Um, no, sorry. This month, as we mentioned, as we, as I mentioned up at the start, we are talking about L.A. Noir, a video game. That is... Did you say that in quotation marks? (laughs) (laughs) It is a game that was the first and also last game that Team Bondi ever made. So take from that what you will. Set in the post-war boom of Hollywood's golden age. This is just reading from the Rockstar Games synopsis, by the way, at this point. Um, As I feel that's the only way I can remain neutral. Newly minted officer... Cole Phelps embarks on a desperate search for truth in a city where everyone has something to hide. Oh my god. That that sounds like the game we all played, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, essentially. <laughs> yep. In a, in a manner of speaking, yeah. It is a game, and we played it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rockstar, Rockstar produced it and published it, so that also is a thing. So, Andy, as we typically do with our episodes, as our resident gaming historian... Please give us some the history of Rockstar's L.A. Noir. Well, um, L.A. Noir was obviously the, the first in the L.A. Noir series. It was um, followed up by, imaginatively titled enough, uh, L.A. Noir 2. And it was starring <laughs> one of the few guys from Mad Men they couldn't get last time, who were not <laughs> Elizabeth Moss or John Hamm. And that game primarily focused on uh, all the other stuff from L.A. Confidential they couldn't rip off. <laughs> Uh, the, yeah, after, after that, they uh, released a spin-off called San Franois. It was set in the late 60s San Francisco. We <laughs> actually got to solve the Zodiac killings. It turns out Ted Cruz after all. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> and, um, the, the last outing of the series was uh, a poorly in- implemented game for the Kinect called L.A. Noir, The Interrogation Sessions. Uh, motion controls allow you to rough up innocent suspects. And the built-in microphone allowed you to ask your own questions, giving you bonus points for using horrible slurs. (laughs) Um, Yeah, of course, I'm taking the piss here. Um, L.A. Noir did not get a single sequel. Was that fair? Or was 
Did it get what it was coming to it? Um, I don't know. Let's find out. We already know. <laughs> Sasha already said. <laughs> it's bad. I really hope someone listening right now is like, what the fuck? There were three more <laughs> NNUR sequels. I've got to get out and play them. Can't wait to play that Connect one. <laughs> oh, amazing. It's sort of notorious in many ways, isn't it? It was meant to be the video game that was going to change the industry because as one of the actors in it very recently claimed cerebral um but also you know the motion was it called motion sense the you know the mo the mocap technology that they used motion scan motion scan that was it thank you the development took seven years team bondi had over a hundred people leave during that time due to the working conditions and i think the, the gist of what you get when you read interviews with the director, writer, director, founder of Team Bondi, etc., is that a lot of that negative press is what caused, you know, the downfall of Team Bondi. I mean, for sure, absolutely. But also, you know, may have hampered some of L.A. Noir's success. And I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think the thing that I always knew about at the time, having only played it sort of in the past year, but was the thing that always obviously really stood out was that controversy around the development was around the crunch but also just around the working conditions generally the poor pay the long hours the you know constantly being berated and bullied by Brendan McNamara I don't know I, I think it was very fair to answer your question Andy that you know Team Bondi ceased to exist and with it so did LA Noir. and I assume I'm not the only one that thinks that yeah, I mean, it's sort of, it sunk Rockstar's plans for, was it Rockstar Australia or Rockstar Sydney they were planning on setting up with Team Bondi after this? So they kind of screwed themselves out of an expansion. Team Bondi did, you know, they could have been very successful and very supported by one of the the biggest game developers out there and messed it all up, basically, for a game yeah. that's distinctly average. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hand over to our distinctly average man on the <laughs> podcast. Hi, Chip. Uh, uh, I'm so glad that's yeah. not me. Hello. What had you, you know, in terms of at the time or even since, like, feelings towards was it fair, basically, that this sunk a studio? Because that, that feels like that is very much part of L.A. Noir's legacy, is it... It's failure, yeah. Yeah, it's it, the one it was, it, was, it, it was an epic failure. Well... I'd never want a group of developers or people working to be out of a job. Uh, so I, you know, I don't want to see anything go out of business. I want to see people who are shitty and run those businesses go away. Yes. And then hopefully mm. their working conditions improve immensely and they're looked after, supported physically and mentally and able to do good things without all that shitty pressure. So, you know... I don't know how deep that ran in Team Bondi. Obviously, you've got the man at the top who is a wank stain. <laughs> so if he could just fuck off and then maybe things would have improved. But it's, it's hard to say because it's a thing that infects the gaming industry all around. You know, mm. like the last couple of years, a lot of stuff has come out about how poorly a lot of studios have done things. Um, you know, not just crunch, but everything else. So I think it's something that needs to change in the industry. And then, you know, if we go from there, then hopefully we'll get some better games and... They won't do podcasts about games 10 years later that's completely ripped them apart. 
I think that's very fair and very diplomatic. Um, as far as <laughs> as far as you know, in the reading that I've done since, I think like a lot of the people that were developers on that, some of them are developers with Rockstar Australia now. Of you know, whatever the Rockstar arm is and things. So I don't think it's necessarily put people out of jobs. I think they just. I think the studio it was founded by um, McNamara, and I do think that I think it was fair. Yeah, I I think he played himself out of it. Yeah, yeah. And I find it quite shocking that um, apparently he is working with Rockstar now on something else. Yay. Oh, no. mm-hmm. oh, avoid that then. <laughs> yeah. Um, it feeds into the rumours that LA Noir 2 is actually going to be a thing. No. no. No, that's not happening. I refuse. <laughs> I forbid Just it. Straight up, not allowed. It was fairly controversial at the time though, wasn't it? Like, was um, I think it was 11 of the... Um, ex-Team Bondi developers, they all set up a website, didn't they, that exposed emails and a lot of the working conditions themselves. Um, and, you know, McNamara being, like, running running it like some sort of savage dictator. I, I, you sort of mentioned there, Chip, that I, it, we we know that it's a thing that happens in the industry. Or I, you certainly used to be. I think it's getting less and less, which is all for the benefit of, hopefully, everyone involved except those horrible people it just for me it always seemed like it was the first time that it was really called out like it was yeah it's the first one i can remember clearly like, yeah of that whole it's a lot more common now it's like every like every couple of months a story comes out but back then it was very it was like very unheard of and that was one of the big ones i remember because it was such a big big deal the game when it was coming out so that story really like it was hard to ignore yeah because the marketing push for this game was huge like i remember it being absolutely everywhere you know the motion scan technology was pushed the whole idea of like realistic interrogations whether they were or not and so i think like the fact that not only was the game pushed so hard but it was like tailed by all these stories of horrific working conditions it did it made a, a far bigger thing than i think it perhaps would have been had the game come out and just kind of fizzled yeah, which, it, I mean, it, has, it hasn't fizzled, has it? <laughs> uh, the version I played of it was a remastered, like, complete edition. You know, it's had some VR cases, yeah. I believe, released yeah. in the past Terrible couple VR. of years. Because <laughs> <laughs> what you really want... <laughs> I really get up close to all those dead women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some, I don't know, some people probably do. Mm-hmm. Mm. So the story itself of, I suppose, the actual game, moving away from the game's development and, you know, the, the story that was there, the, the controversy there, but then the, the actual in-game story and the controversy there too. You know, it follows Cole Phelps, rising star in the LAPD, as you go through, work your way up through multiple desks, uh, starting in traffic, and then it's... I believe it's murder, vice, I think I've missed, I feel like I've missed one, but it's traffic, murder, vice, and... Arson. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, you follow his meteoric rise, and then his very swift fall, and I guess you're supposed to root for him, maybe, as a character? I don't know. And then, you know, it kind of just ends? Yeah. <laughs> uh. 
<laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. that is exactly I how it plays out. How it ends, to be <laughs> no, but I like yeah. that was. And I mean, Chip, you've literally just finished the ending today. I mean, yep. that's how I felt about. It. I was like, oh, it, oh, yeah. Well, let's not skip over the fact that you start to play an entirely different character towards the end of the game for <laughs> reasons. Uh, and then you don't even, like, you know, there's a lot of issues with Phelps as a protagonist, but at least he was our terrible protagonist, you know? <laughs> yeah, I did. Because I, I, so I played it back in the day on the 360. I didn't get very far because I didn't like the game's treatment of women, which we'll get into later. So replaying it now, I was kind of expecting, like, okay, maybe I was a bit harsh on it. And then playing as Cole, it's just, he's sinfully boring. Like, a real stick in the mud that just doesn't have any endearing qualities whatsoever. Like, he's not entertaining, there's no quips. His relationship with his partners just tends to be him, like, lecturing them all the time. Like, I'm not really (laughs) sure why I was supposed to root for this guy, because mostly I just wanted him to shut up. Yeah, he has a couple of nice suits. (laughs) (laughs) He does have a couple of nice suits. Yeah. He does. <laughs> the game gives you no reason to care about Cole because the only time you spend with him is on the job and there's no time for, like, introspection or, like, getting to look at his personal life. Like, most Rockstar games, proper Rockstar games, <laughs> give you moments of character, like, to let the characters grow beyond the main story. And Cole is just, it's all business and, like, it's just a fucking job's worth. It's not, not, it's nothing to care about. And his personal life becomes such a significant plot point without any setup either. Yeah, there's, there's no. Yeah, time I didn't know he was married on. for so long in that yeah. game. Yeah, <laughs> until it's like, oh, his wife left him. Like, wait, what? <laughs> he had a wife. Yeah, like a proper like if it was like a GTA or a Red Dead Redemption, like you'd have side missions where you were doing stuff for his personal life, like mm. dealing with the wife or anything like that just giving you some kind of insight, and you, you get nothing. Hey, we do get flashbacks to how he was a real coward during the war. <laughs> oh, many, many flashbacks. <laughs> just just so we can warm to him that little bit more. <laughs> a coward and also, like, a snitch? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best kind of coward. Such a fucking dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> he is a dweeb, yes. Such a dweeb. Yeah, dweeb in a nice suit, but still a dweeb. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, Becky, I can identify where you stopped playing it yeah. the first time round. Because it was around the time that my experience of the game immediately changed. And I actually remember, because I was streaming it, and I remember Chip, because you were watching the stream, asking, are you alright? <laughs> because there's a very mm-hmm. clear moment when the game changes... So I feel like for most of traffic, it's kind of it's a bit of a lark. It it's a bit same. Well, it was the way you especially, played it. Yeah, especially how you play. <laughs> Sasha has a very free form approach to driving in this game. Shall we say? <laughs> I have a free yeah. There are no brakes on those cars. She does not play the game like she's a lo- officer of the law. Turning circles of a bus, but she is going to fit down that alley. I promise. <laughs> okay, this isn't about me. <laughs> it is now. Do you know what a red dot is yet? I. Yeah, where's the suspect, (laughs) Sasha? This isn't about me. But I want to talk about that so much more. Those clips are available on Twitch. (laughs) Yeah, we'll share a bunch of those, don't worry. That is the thing, though. 
your streams were really, really fun to start with, the LNR streams. That mean I'm not talking about your old streams. Oh, that, uh, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, the, your early LNR stuff was really entertaining, and then there's a point where it just dives off a cliff, and it just it's just a chore, and I just wanted you to stop playing the game altogether just so you could play something you liked. It was just, it wasn't comfortable. It's the, so it's the last of the traffic cases, and it's the first one where you sort of really start to see the attitude towards women in the game change. Yeah. And it's the, it's the casting couch with the young 15, 16 year old girl um, who's assaulted um, on the casting couch. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a game that's set in post-war Hollywood, LA. You expect, you expect misogyny, you expect sexism. <laughs> to be honest, you probably expect racism as well not as rampant as it can be found in this game it is gratuitous um all across the board reveled in yes but that that moment that case when it changes it really clearly becomes a game that felt like it wasn't for me and and i don't just mean you know games don't have to be for me and that's fine but it felt like it was then designed with a very specific audience in mind which you know i'll, I'll just come out and say it. It, it is it felt like it was very specifically designed for white men to enjoy because speaking as a woman i was completely unable to enjoy it beyond that point yeah same i i think the game lures you in with the first few traffic cases because you've got like the the double indemnity reference with one of the cases where there's the insurance claim and there's a lot of LA Confidential references. Many LA Confidential references. <laughs> references is generous. Yeah. <laughs> Straight at lifting <laughs> points. But, the, you know, it really sort of, it revels in that kind of film noir style. And, you know, I'm a fan of that genre of film. Uh, LA Confidential is one of my favourite films. So I think when I was first playing it, I, I got really sucked into that sort of thing. And, you know, the style, the score. And then... As um, Sasha said, there's the casting couch case, and it's quickly followed as well by a scene in which a woman is hit for no apparent reason in a cutscene. And it was that point where I was like, oh, this game, this isn't for me. This, you know, you expect a certain amount of straight white male gaze in these games, especially from around this time, sort of the late 2000s, because it was, a, it was and still is, a very male-dominated industry. So as a female gamer, you kind of get used to that um, and you can square it away. With this, I have never felt so excluded by a game throughout. Like, from that point onwards, it was, you know, this game is for people, for men, who enjoy the language, the violence, you know, the women in the game are there to be fucked or killed. Basically, that's it. And say with the characters of colour, when they pop up briefly, they're all suspects or criminals. The only heroes are the cops. And even then, they're not that great. You know, they're frequently coming out with slurs and uh, abusing women. And it just... very corrupt. Yeah, they're very corrupt. Which, again, the LAPD of the 1940s was very corrupt. But I feel like there are are ways of exploring problems in society of that contemporary period without glorifying it quite so much and reveling in it. And I feel like the game... Uh, really does get its kicks out of using racial slurs 
abusing women, having naked women lying dead on the floor for an obscene amount of time. And it's not very nice to play, frankly. No, it's not. Yeah, you that bit you said about they're trying to be historically like authentic or whatever as an excuse to do horrible things. And it's that's not really an excuse anymore because like mad men like depicted horrific, outdated social views without being explicit, without being like cruel. Like it knew how to shock and upset you, but with subtlety, like uh, well crafted dialogue performed by like top class actors. Mm. And I know for a fact LA Noir has seen Mad Men. <laughs> He's used every fucking cunt in that show that wasn't already busy. <laughs> so there's no excuse. Yeah. And and I think that's like it was an excuse to be able to use that kind of language and yes. that kind of behaviour rather than explore it or interrogate it. It was there to be Just experienced. And you say, like, with your comparison to L.A. Noir as well, at least in L.A. Noir, uh, sorry, L.A. Confidential, in L.A. God, that's how close they yeah. are, Jesus. <laughs> uh, in L.A. Confidential, at least you have Russell Crowe's character who just, like, like hates any sort of violence against women. Mm. And then you have, like, a protagonist that you're like, yes, go and batter that fucking shithead over there. <laughs> and But there's none of that. Like, Cole never calls any of this out. Never. No. Yeah. Apart from, he makes a couple of statements every now and again, which I yeah. think is how the game <laughs> thinks it gets away with it. Yeah, it, they feel like it feels like Cole sometimes is admonishing them, like eye rolling at them. Yeah, but it it's definitely never like actively been like, oh, you should not say that. Uh, mm. that's a very outdated view. This is terrible. It's, it's just oh, you. You look at like Red Dead Redemption Two, like as an example. Like Arthur Morgan's frequently been first with like, I mean, they probably weren't even that outdated like outlooks at the time in that game but he still like challenged them like he didn't see like when he first like racism or sexism and things like that he he always like confronted them there was, he was like a moral block against mm. that sort of thing he was resisting the the rot of the time sort of thing and like Cole is a very ineffective version of that yeah uh, i mean i think he's just <sighs> I don't think he's particularly bothered by what he's hearing. He's just kind of like, oh, can you give it a rest? No. and I'm it, like, looking at my notes. Again, just to, to refer back to the LA Confidential, Cole is very obviously crafted as an Ed Exley type character, you know, very straight, very career focused to the letter of the law. The difference is, is Exley challenges the behaviour around him, even at the expense of his own reputation, whereas Cole just kind of sits there and lets everyone get on with it. And I feel like I feel like the the game clearly adored Ellie Confidential and learned all the wrong lessons from it. Down to the bad Irish accent of the captain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James Cromwell. That's yeah. So there's the tw- there's the turn. There's when it properly turns, and you go from traffic. And I think at the very start, there's all the tutorial stuff is like when you're on the beat, isn't it? Like. Mm. you're kind of more of a beat cop and then you go into the section that i mean they really should have done that whole kill your darlings thing the murder section when you're on murder and it's just relentlessly awful and the worst and there's why why does cole straddle dead bodies why is why like could you imagine if you're watching, I don't know, like your favourite CSI or something like that, and 
Grissom just walks over and just fully like does a squat over <laughs> the dead body. <laughs> he is essentially teabagging them. <laughs> Oh god, I'm glad I finished the game and don't have to replay it with that in my head now. But that's what's <laughs> happening. It's like teabagging oh, with intent. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus and the like it's such a weird choice for, you know, investigating those bodies and it really just felt like after a while you're like, Oh, this is just a way to get close up to that lady's tits. Like yep. and she is a dead woman. Like, Dead and mm-hmm. mutilated frequently. Mutilated. Dead mutilated woman. So Becky, I know that you looked up some of the facts because when we we've discussed previously, I think a thing that people don't always realise is that many of those murder cases are based on real true crimes. Yeah. And many of them unsolved. Yes. Especially the homicide section, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um to the point where the red lipstick murder um, there's like a whole blog post on it on Rockstar's website about the real case that it's based on. And, you know, when you think about that and you think that that was a real victim, that was a real person. And they've rendered that in a video game, mutilated, naked body and all. Um, and it's a real unsolved case. Yeah. So what I, I what I wanted to do was just kind of draw attention to the lipstick murder, but also the Black Dahlia case, because... The Black Dahlia is a massive unsolved case. It's one of the most infamous ones in history. And uh, L.A. Noir uses it as a kind of setup device to establish the kind of mood in L.A. at the time. And what a lot of people don't realise is around the time of the Black Dahlia murder, there were a lot of similar murders of women across L.A. It was a bit of a, a crime spree almost. And so the mood was very cautious. And then the Black Dahlia murder happens and everything kind of explodes in this wave of publicity. And I just wanted to draw attention back to the woman at the heart of it all because I think she gets forgotten. Um, So Elizabeth Short was murdered on January the 14th or 15th, they're not sure. Um, Her body was found uh, by a mother and daughter and it was bisected and completely drained of blood and had been washed and then posed by the killer where they left her. And there's evidence of torture on her body. Um, her face has a Glasgow smile, so the cut from ear to ear. Uh, so if you think the Joker in uh, The Dark Knight, that kind of effect. And they believe that's how she died as well, was the shock from those facial injuries. So she suffered those while she was alive. And it's become a real cu- pop culture touch point. You know, you've had um, James Elroy tackle it. There was the Brian De Palma film adapting that book. American Horror Story has featured the Black Dahlia you know it's a real fascination for people and I think the way that L.A. Noir uses it is kind of terrible um you know fair enough establish it as the mood but then obviously you go on to solve the Black Dahlia murder but it's never publicized um and it's all the work of one mysterious serial killer which is (laughs) bullshit um and the the red lipstick murder as well is another uh, real life case. And the victim at the heart of that was Jean French. Um, she was um, a pilot who joined the Women's Air Reserve in the 1920s and her nickname the Flying Nurse um, because she was an army nurse as well. And she was found on February the 10th, 1947. So nearly a month after Elizabeth Short. And it was determined she'd bled to death from the wounds inflicted on her. She'd been beaten around the head by a socket wrench. 
but that wasn't what killed her. Um, her killer repeatedly kicked her and beat her while she was lying unconscious on the ground. And she was naked when she was found. And where the nickname comes from is there was red lipstick uh, scrawled on her torso saying, fuck you, PD, and the name Tex written underneath. And the press kind of leapt on this and saying it was BD rather than PD and connected it probably erroneously to the murder of Elizabeth Short. So it became famous for that. That remains unsolved. And when you're investigating the red lipstick murder in L.A. Noir, they just change her name. Every other detail about Jean French's life is stolen for the purposes of entertainment, including pouring over her dead body with the lipstick on it. And it's exploitative and voyeuristic and wrong. And it makes me sick to my stomach that these were real women that have been put into this game and had their histories and their stories told by people who didn't give a shit who they were they just become symbols and corpses and that to me is the biggest crime of la noir yeah i couldn't have said it better myself i found it uh, deeply upsetting and i think the thing it doesn't even do is it never even tells you that these were real women no so you know unless you've gone out of your way to find that out you wouldn't even know and so you just think it's just a game and it's just it's just stories and it's not these were real people and I'm sorry, I'm getting upset. Um, no, it, it's really upsetting. It's like, I've never quite felt quite so sick playing a game, especially because, um, so I'm an, I'm a true crime fan. I, I like listening to true crime, especially historical true crime. And the reason I spotted that this was a real case is because I'd listened to the case being talked about on a podcast. So it was sort of slowly dawning on me as I saw Sasha playing it and as I played it myself, that actually, no, I knew the details of this case because it was real, which led me to find the the details of it. Yeah. You're right, It's Sasha. one of those, yeah. You need a moment. Sorry. No, God, no. Ridiculous, no, it's take, awful. Take, take as long as you need. I think, so I think the thing that really gets me and why I've got so upset and it feels really personal, you know, as a woman who has experienced um, assault and there's this real feeling of, you know, being someone who also listens to a lot of true crime and I think some of that is that sort of, if I hear it, it can't happen to me, but then it, it almost happened to me you know and all women experience you know somewhere on the scale these kind of you know abuses or these you know harassments and things and I think it's just a really strange feeling to see something where you're looking at a case of a person where you go that that could have been me that could still be me because you never know it's absolutely not all men but it is men and you don't know which ones it is <laughs> yeah and, um, the, and the fear is you won't know until it's too late and you used all the words Becky it's exploitative and it's voyeuristic and it 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 hurt anyway in a really specific way for me when you know, before I even knew that these were real women, because you kind of thought, yeah, no, I can totally see this is stuff that's happening to women out there. 
Yeah. And then you realise it is real women. And and they don't even have the respect to tell you that. No. So that you can reflect on that as the gamer, as the person who's participating, not only actual murders and stuff, but you know that you're investigating this case and you probably, like, it never really covers the victims at all. It's really all about the case. It's about the investigation. It's about hitting the, finding the points so that you can then go on and do then dumb fucking interrogations. Yeah. And the story isn't about solving the crimes. It's about Cole's career. You know, you're, it's framed that you score experience points for how well you perform in those interrogations and how many clues you find. And there's no, there's no real sense of the kind of importance of the job that Cole should be doing. There should be weight behind that. It shouldn't just be good cop, bad cop, you know, says something daft in the interrogation, bam, three stars, off you go. Yeah, no, I know, again, this is another thing that, you know, you and I, Becky, because I know we've had some debriefs on this because I yeah. think it's been needed. Yes. Believe me, guys, I was worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've been quite restrained compared to how we have been. The other part of that just being that you realise the scores you get on those cases make absolutely no difference to your progression through the story. You will still get promoted up. Cole will still then be disgraced and be promoted down none of it matters and the whole murder section itself just doesn't matter anyway it doesn't feed into any of the story it's just there to create this boogeyman serial killer who's so smart he's able to orchestrate and implicate you know all of these husbands or what well, is one of them like the gardener or something yeah. i don't know you know like managed to orchestrate all of this just from random women he's met on the street or whatever I, ugh. Ugh. yeah ugh. Um, yeah ugh. um well that's when it goes into the seven ripoff isn't it and it just like again learns none of the lessons of that film and uh, yeah i think the real kicker is the homicide section has no bearing on the main plot of the game it's irrelevant and when i was doing my research into this game um, you find out that they've taken a couple of other desks, like burglary, I think was on there, out of the game to shorten it. So it was very much a choice to leave these cases in there um, and to have Cole investigate these murders and to have all of the voyeurism that comes with it, which really gets to me. It makes me really angry that they sat back and thought, yeah, that is essential to the game. We need to tee back a dead woman. Great. I'm conscious, <laughs> Chip and Andy, that we have been speaking probably for the last 15 minutes without breathing. You don't need to be conscious about that. You no, don't need to be yeah, conscious. Absolutely not. As long as you like. Yeah, we're, we're here. We're, we're just listening to you guys. We sit in dumbass silence. <laughs> <laughs> Is it surprising, not like, but like when Becky says that, because, you know, when you do that research and you realise as well that decisions were made over what got left in and what got taken out, you know, for the essence of speeding up a seven-year development hell. Did they kill the wrong darlings? Like, how did you feel about the story? And not necessarily touching on the points we, we got in. I just mean, like, generally, like, 
there's so many elements that just felt really out of whack for me. And I mean, Chip, you mentioned earlier that in the last section where you introduce a new character that you play as. Mm -hmm. And again, it's that thing where it's like, did they intend maybe for you to play as both characters all the way along? Or was it always just thrown in at the end for convenience rather than actually trying to find a way to keep it with Cole? I don't know. I can't think of a reason why they do the switch. Like, unless it's just to pull the rug from under you. Because in my head... Um, I remembered it differently because Cole literally gets killed like two minutes before the game ends. And I thought he got killed and then you play as Kelso. Like it was meant to be like a pull the rug from underneath you kind of thing. But no, Cole's there the whole way. You do like a DLC case in the middle of the Kelso stuff. Yeah, that was really bizarre. (laughs) Yeah, yes, because it was like the big explosion one. Mm. And it just, it confused me even more because I, I don't know why. And it's not like Kelso's been like a background character that you've got to know and you're like, oh, it'd be cool to play as him. Oh, wait a minute, here we go. He's just there occasionally in the flashbacks and then, boom, you're off and you're playing as Kelso. And it's it's so weird. Like, like just as an... Even if it was a great game and didn't have all the fucking issues that it actually does, like, artistically, what were they trying to achieve by doing that? I had also read, just talking about that artistically, what were they trying to achieve? I had read one of the things that they considered, again, story-wise, was that there was a possibility you'd be able to become a rogue cop, I guess, you know, if you kept failing the cases badly. <laughs> that would have made the game better. <laughs> you could be a shithead cop on top <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. And I know Chip in particular, I know I know Andy, you, you as well, but I know that um chip you and i have both played like a lot of those like decision based games i mean you you obviously stream quite a few and and i have too like so it is one of those things that stood out to me anyway was as you're getting through the cases you're like oh this didn't make a blind fucking bit of difference like (laughs) i scored a zero because i knocked down 17 people on the road and (laughs) yeah you did that poor woman you (laughs) designed She deserved it. She didn't. <laughs> All right, Cole. <laughs> There's just so many decisions that seem to be made around just how that story plays out that you go, huh, that would have been better though. Like, why didn't you do that? I think it's very obviously a game that got hacked to pieces and then put back together again. Because, you know, there's the affair with the singer that kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, all he's done is kind of stared intensely at her while she sang. And then suddenly it's breaking his career. So yeah, I, I feel like it, there's, it's like watching a film where you know there's been a lot of production interference um, and you can mm. see the, the seams of where things have been taken out. And I do, I wonder if the Kelso switch is part of that. And also the scoring system, you know, because you're right. Yeah. There's no impact. There's no consequence to anything you do, which I think is another mm-hmm. reason why this game is so infuriating. Yeah, I- I was thinking about the story, the the, um, the star system, like scoring how you, well you do and how it has no bearing on the progression of the story. It basically means it's encouraging people, like perfectionists, to go back and replay these things to try to get a perfect score, which that, that makes the murder section even more uh, reprehensible because it's treating them like a challenge, basically. Yeah, it's, it's trophy not, hunting, isn't it? That's what yeah, those cases hunting. become. Yeah. Yeah. They make, they make you just replay all these horrible things that have happened. And it's not really about a sense of justice or even just making this, like, affecting any change on the story. It's just about getting a perfect score so you can unlock a trophy. 
It's, it's a, mm-hmm. a pretty hideous game design choice. Um, and we, we know I love a trophy. <laughs> like, I am a trophy hunter. <laughs> I very nearly platinumed this. I'm very close to. Um, if I hadn't have handed Jesus it over Christ. to you, Chip, the disc, I might have done. But I think there's every possibility now. I just won't bother. No, please don't play this game again. Yeah, you don't want that stain on your PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very surreal experience to have played the game, to finish the game. And then the more I've discussed it, the more I've disliked it. And at the time, some of those cases, I felt physically sick at. I mean, clearly. <laughs> like, even as you move through, it can never stop itself from just being a little bit too grotesque. There's, it's either the first or second arson case where, you know, there's someone burning down the houses and there was a family inside and the the arsonist has like moved all of the family and put them together, their burnt corpses in like a prayer position. Mm. And you just go, why? What did that add? Aside from it just being utterly grotesque. So my least favorite out of all the terrible things is one when you're playing as Kelso and you're investigating your boss who's a real shithead and you know he's a shithead because he's investing in all this like scheme to burn down houses for insurance money and where all that goes and then when you but you're investigating his house with him there and you kick the door to his bedroom down and he's got a fucking naked 12 year old girl in his bed yeah and there's no he literally says like like kelso tells her to go home and the guy's like oh she'll be back and there's, there's, it doesn't add anything. Like, you don't investigate him for that. Like, there's no sort of, like, you're going down for this. You are going down for the insurance. That is the main focus of it. And it's just a... Like you guys were saying earlier, they just revel in the sort of, like, oh, this will be great. We'll just add this to his character. And it adds nothing apart from this really disgusting, horrible moment. Yeah. It's a whole game of wouldn't it be cool if... And they throw all those yeah. things in there and none of them are cool. They're only cool to a certain, fr- like, frame of mind. And I feel like it's a game that could only have been made at the exact time that it was made. You know, pre-Gamergate, mm-hmm. pre-the like the movement to make games more progressive. It just it feels like such a 2011 game, and I'm so happy for it to stay there. There seems to be this feeling of the people in it are so obviously bad that it makes it okay, because you know as the player that they're obviously bad. And... I, for one, vehemently disagree. (laughs) Like, you don't have to make every single character obviously bad. It's like they had one of those decision tree or, like, mind map type things. You know, those, like, the little cloud things you used to do. And they were like, Mm. we have this character. What are the worst things that they could do? And then they just went, yeah, fuck it, let's do all of that. (laughs) There's some sort of, like, weird galaxy brain thinking of the worst kind that's gone on with so many of these sort of side characters that's like well they're bad people so let's like really go all in on it and make them the fucking worst humans to ever exist and you know that the whole thing there like you said chip with the 12 year olds like it could have been just a plot point that's mentioned if they wanted to have it that he also you know slept with underage girls it could have just been oh by the way he's also a nonce but (laughs) they show it they they put it in the game they developed a scene with it yeah where there's in the most explicit way they could get away with it Mm. yeah yeah and then like you said even had the character go oh and she'll be back like 
No. Arrest this man. <laughs> Shoot him. <laughs> it's a game that seems to want to like mess around in the moral grey areas without actually properly dealing with them. It just it wants its cake and eating it and, and to eat yeah. it too. And you know, I mean, Andy brought up Red Dead Redemption Two earlier. I mean, that's a game that has the KKK and eugenics and rape and murder and exploitation and all these things. But time is invested in the characters to explore those issues. You know, they're not yeah. just thrown in there for the sake of it. There's a scene that I always remember where Lenny, one of the black characters, says to Arthur, "Well, no, you won't be nervous in the South because you have nothing to be nervous about." And it's a small moment, but it's white privilege. And the game throws it out there as something that Lenny would experience, but Arthur wouldn't. And that's it. You know, it doesn't have to be a big monologue of how Arthur feels so guilty about his white privilege. It doesn't have to be a lot. You know, Cole could have stood up to the people that he was partnered with. You could have a scene where he dresses down Rusty, who is quite frankly the most abhorrent character in the game, full of abhorrent characters Hmm. because he's just allowed to be abhorrent you know you could have just had a scene of cole saying stop it just have like dressing him down rather than doing his whole we've got to play by the rules stick it's so boring like just have a backbone man yeah like um like you said with red dead redemption games at least they have protagonists with like a moral backbone those games have a lot of really unpleasant characters in but it all serves a purpose. Mm. It's not just like crass and gross and just reveling in the dirt of it all. They've got characters like uh, John Marston and Arthur Morgan, like trying to push up against like the worst parts of civilization, and like ultimately losing. But it, that's the point of the game. Yeah. You need somebody to like make a stand, even if they fail. Like it's perfectly okay to have a protagonist who fails as long as they they stand for something, and it telling you a story and nothing about Cole really means anything yeah he's he's just just there he's just a career guy yeah that's his only character trait he's also psychotic (laughs) I was wondering if we were going to get to the other side of Cole the many faces of Cole (laughs) seems as good a segue as any into um, the interrogation and Cole and his many multiple personalities (laughs) <laughs> the man needs to be on some kind of antipsychotic. Like, I mean, Chip. I think you have one of my favourite examples that stood out to you. Oh, when he threatened to put a baby in prison, <laughs> an unborn baby. Yes. Yep. That one. Yep. That one. <laughs> was it that? Was it that one? <laughs> yeah. That, that, that sticks out. Yeah. <laughs> he just. So there was a couple of sides, wasn't there, to the whole things that this game did really well supposedly and then we you know we touched on like the the motion i've forgotten the word again motion scan, scan. who cares it never got used and again properly no it never did get used again <laughs> i mean you know at least all the actors did look like those actors i spent the majority of the game going oh i know that person from something something better um usually, usually mad, mad men, men. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and ted Theolo- theodore logan's dad that's that's my yes. favorite spot. An angel. An angel. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot there's of a lot of characters from Angel, from angel and Buffy occasionally. 
the interrogate, I know that they changed those mechanics. I actually weirdly think I might have got on better with the original, even though it would have been hilarious. The, I like the, the sound original's of... The funnier. Yeah, the original's definitely yes. funnier. Cause... <laughs> just you press doubt, and then he just says he's going to stick a pill key up your ass or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, Whoa. Like, no, I was just a bit... I said, like, doubt. I'm doubtful. <laughs> <laughs> So I struggled to get on with initially because, again, as as we know, because I stupidly keep playing streaming games that I've never played before, and then <laughs> don't, don't everyone gets to see how badly I play games, which is to say that the tutorial, I'm like, it wants me to press doubt, but I know better. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you're allergic to the word tutorial, to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah. You see it and you come out in all these hives. You're like, no, 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 I just do it my own way. It'll be Free fine. Thought. Tell me what to do. I, re- I just, I, re- I really distinctly remember doing the first interrogation and it going horribly wrong and you guys all being like, it told you what to press. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, but I didn't, I didn't want to do bad uh, cop. And I think this is what I mean. I think I'd have got on better with doubt, even though it was more funny because no. his turns were more psychotic. But at the time <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do bad cop to this woman. She's crying. That seems really harsh. So yeah, the whole good cop, bad cop, jacuzzi, <laughs> boggle, mind boggling. I just couldn't get on with it. And then also the thing when it's like, you know, you got to look for like shifty eyes or like, you know, if they're looking Super away from obvious you. Ones. Or like, have any of you seen the TV series Lie to Me? With uh, I know of the concept, yeah. No. But it felt a little bit like that. Like they're like, oh, you know, you gotta look out for when like oh they're they're actually looking to the left or whatever, you know, you gotta look for them being a bit dodge. And then the times when I'd think, right, that person is doing something weird with their face. Why are they gurning? <laughs> so I'm going to <laughs> do like time, doubt or <laughs> yeah. accuse or whatever. And then he'd be like, no, no, you should have done good cop. You did it wrong. And I'd be like, I do not understand this system <laughs> like at all. <laughs> It was little kid is like, oh, my mum's just been murdered. And Cole's like, yeah, well, I'm going to dig up your nan and piss on her if you don't tell me the truth. <laughs> oh, God. It is a really flawed system. Like, I swear there are times when their eyes are, like, not moving. Their face hasn't moved. It's like the game's frozen. They're so still. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, good cop. And then you get that really horrible sort of, you just failed <laughs> music. Uh, it's so frustrating. I ended up cheating for about the last third of the game, maybe half. I just like I just I'm just gonna cheat. I don't care. I don't like it, and like you said earlier, it leads to nothing. Yeah. There's no accom- there's no sense of accomplishment, so yeah. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. So I was just like, fuck it, I'll just I'll see as much as the game I can because sometimes it does lead to like little things within the story, but oh, I didn't care. I really didn't care. And I think it's <laughs> it, like it's one of those things where the game was like too ahead of its time in the wrong kind of way um i think with the motion capture technology we've got now you could create something really fun out of this mechanic because the detail that we mm-hmm. can capture now is is much better and like, oh my god yeah characters aren't like dead behind yeah. the eyes <laughs> like, like the so... detroit become human technology yeah they used the stuff from like in la noir because it's such new technology it's like they didn't know what to do with it and they, maybe they couldn't capture subtle expressions as well so they had to do really exaggerated stuff. But I just kept thinking of that episode of uh, Futurama where Zoidberg's old uncle is directing a movie for the first time in a century. And he's like, I said this is a talkie, damn it. We've got to a moat more. And then just people <laughs> flaying pies everywhere. And like, <laughs> it's like, fucking hell. Just, especially it's like uh, Ted's dad. Like when he shows up, he's yeah. a massive, like weird, his whole face is kind of in 
Yeah, it's like become a gift hazard. Where it's like, yeah. like I'm not like. It's the noise I imagine he's making. Yeah, it's probably like this. Just the sounds of all the folds on his face coming together, <laughs> all the air pushing out. Oh, it's, yeah, it's it's not aged well. The the groundbreaking graphics. No, and I remember <laughs> which it's never like, really got used again. It was pushed so hard. And I remember like them saying, like, you've got to look out for the subtle changes in facial expressions. So I was looking for subtlety, but that's not going to work because <laughs> they can't do the subtlety. So I think it was like, I think it might have been the case with Ted's dad, actually. That was the yeah, only probably. one I got right because it was so obviously like a, a move. But yeah, like it just sucks any enjoyment out of the mechanic, you know, even without everything else going on in this game. You want the interrogations to work you want them to be interesting and they're just not phoenix wright does it better yeah they... <laughs> phoenix wright for basically everything in this game phoenix wright does better and did it 10 years before yeah basically <laughs> just just copy phoenix objection wright. <laughs> no i agree with that everything just like even like take out all the open world stuff just do what phoenix wright did give you a place to go Boop. have a conversation with the, the only character that you can talk to Boop. like if you fuck up you have to start over. You can't just carry on playing for the points. Like, there should just be a set course in the story, like Phoenix Wright does. And he, like, even the evidence pre- like presentation is so much easier in Phoenix Wright because the clues are there for what you need, whereas... Yeah, there's a purpose to them. Yeah, you you gather loads of stuff as Cole. Like, you're walking around until you get the do-do-do-do-do music. And then you don't so even many use... bottles. Yeah, and cigarette this ends. Isn't relevant. Circumstantial. Fucking cigarettes. You should know that just by looking at it. It's a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you telling me that this can be picked up if it's not anything? Yeah, so, but you amass this whole list of clues and then you might use one of them throughout the case. It just feels pointless again. Yeah. Obviously, I played the, the remastered version, which had the new good cop, bad cop, rather than doubt, truth, lie, whatever it was. And I've sort of assumed, but I don't actually know if in the remastered version, if the graphics were ever so slightly improved or if it actually plays the exact same. But I guess that's kind of, you know, to hand over it to the lads who I know you played it previously. Um, I mean, (laughs) hello. Hello. Like then versus now, like have your feelings changed? And not just because of, you know, you've, you've then ex- experienced it through, like, mine and Becky's eyes. I mean, mine especially on stream and stuff. Yeah. And me just but, yelling at you about it. <laughs> like, but have your... From playing it ten years ago and then playing it now on review for the podcast, have your feelings changed? Well, obviously my feelings on the content have changed. But I'll talk about that after. I'll just talk about the game itself that's a little easier um to be honest experiencing it again i reminded myself how little of the game is actually enjoyable to play i I guess at the time i was impressed by the graphics because they were brand new and it kind of opened the door to a lot of potential but they weren't particularly it was a meme almost immediately so i kind of knew that it was doofy looking but i was still kind of impressed by the idea of it like I did kind of just enjoy it in an ironic sense, just the, the interrogations being so blatantly obvious and calls like bipolar yeah, it was just really funny at the time. But outside of the interrogations, the game about as shit as I remember. I mean the driving, like Sasha knows full well. I mean we make fun of her for the like 
how she drives. Yeah, we but, do, and we'll continue to yeah, do yeah, so. We will continue to do so, but the game drives, like, like the handling in the game is shite. Like, and because cause I could, I was a, I'm a massive, like, Rockstar family fan, so I played a lot of GTA before L.A. Noir came out, and a big part of GTA is being able to, like, enjoying driving around and being able to, like, you know, just navigate these big spaces and it'd be entertaining. And L.A. Noir, it's, it's just a chore to drive around. I got my partner to drive me from A to B most of the time. Yep. yep. Because basically, and like I'll just talk about this, because I, obviously I'm a big, I know Sasha's not, but I'm a big open world fan. And L.A. Noir's open world thing that's always bothered me. It's, it's, it's worthless, basically. Like, I don't think it's an open world game. I, I don't think it has anything it's, that qualifies it, it, wants, it as an open-world game. It's presenting itself as an open-world game, but it's got nothing. Yeah. It doesn't have any of the... It doesn't use either of the main like open-world philosophies. No. Apart um, the fact it's got a big map, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, it's a big map. Because like, like, there's two approaches to like open-world games. You've got, I'll just call it like function or immersion. So you've got like Breath of the Wild and Death Stranding. I'd call them functional open-world games. Where, like, every component of the world... You can interact with with one of the gaming mechanics like disposal so like it's all gameplay design first and then there's like the immersive style which is what rockstar usually do really well like the proper rockstar like red dead redemption 2 mm. and there's also like sucker punches ghost of Tsushima, where it's all about the details like try to evoke a sense of place sight sounds like random encounters of npcs it's all like environmental storytelling so every corner of the map has a purpose in the story Either it's used in a mission, or it like it's telling you about the history of the place, like revealing more to you. It's very storytelling-driven design, and L.A. Noir doesn't use either of those. Driving around means nothing. You basically have to go from A to B. Every now and then a crime pops up, but all that does really is send you to the other side of the map, and like delays your journey, like really tedious journey. It's just so frustrating. Like there's no spontaneity to the world. There's no texture. Like, you don't feel like you're in a real place, even with all the, like, painstaking, like, historical, like, design. It's just an empty void. I think they only did it so they could show off that they did it. There's there's no point to it. It's just really annoying. And, like, that that was one of my main... My main gameplay frustration with the game, and it's only gotten worse since the open-world medium has, like, evolved so much. Like, going from Red Dead Redemption 2 to L.A. Noire... It's like going from, like, fucking Godfather 2 to... What's that really shit Adam Sandler film where he plays his own sister? Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill? Yeah. L.A. <laughs> Noir is Jack and Jill. It wants to be L.A. Confidential, but it's Jack and Jill. <laughs> now I'm just imagining a moment where, like, Phelps's sister turns up, but it's the same actor. <laughs> now that would have actually been good. I'd have actually had... There might have been some value to that, because then you'd actually know something about Phelps. Like, Chip, how do you feel about the game itself i mean i first played this game 10 years ago when it came out i had it on pre-order like like andy big rockstar fan uh of all the gta's like and this is i believe this was the next big one kind of after gta 4 that they did so i was really excited about it and weirdly it's been popping up on my uh on my memories on facebook so i've been kind of reliving <laughs> like playing it now and then looking back about what i thought about it back then and you know I have to say hands down uh, or hand sorry cards on the table that I really enjoyed this game back in the day is is what that 10 year old uh, not 10 year old <laughs> 10 year ago chip uh, was saying uh, I didn't have it that early <laughs> I don't know well I'm very young I'm only 20 
um yeah so it was really interesting me going back and uh looking at those thoughts from back then and being like i don't that's no just, who was this person i don't know who this was i i really liked it at the time and i do not feel that um now i th- i got really worried because when i first loaded the game up like the menu music started and i got a sort of oh i remember this nostalgia hit this game that i liked and the score is really good so am i gonna like this am i podcast co-hosts gonna abandon me in the wilderness because i'm gonna turn around and be like oh, actually i actually really enjoyed this game and i think it's really underrated yes we would <laughs> yeah and deservedly so as well i i didn't enjoy it i found the gameplay really monotonous like it's it kind of reminded me of Assassin's Creed 1, the first Assassin's Creed in a way, in that there's like four or five gameplay elements and then it just repeats, especially, you know, through Homicide and uh, until you get to kind of Vice. But you drive somewhere, you look for clues, you drive somewhere else, you interrogate a suspect with a range of ticks, you'll never get right. Uh, <laughs> maybe there'll be a little fight or a chase. Boom, done, the case is solved. Doesn't matter what you got right, what you did, it's over. On to the next one. Uh, it, it's really... It's so monotonous, and I was getting so bored with it, and really quickly as well. Um, it doesn't help that it's got that rock star kind of jankiness as well, where you run into cover, and it takes a few seconds for you to break and then go behind cover. So I, I really hope they sort that out, you know, going forward with their future games. I, I, I didn't think... I didn't like the ending back in the day either. Like, I didn't like the way it switched, but I definitely dislike Phelps and Kelso, both very much now like Kelso is such a I think I like Kelso less in a weird sort of way like he's just it's like a student filmmaker was trying to make a noir and that's all the things they would give their PI character to say oh hey princess no shut the fuck up dude fuck off I want the boring person back bring him back (laughs) (laughs) so yeah my experience has definitely changed in the last 10 years it was a game that I really liked and admired and then watching you Sasha play on stream I was like oh hang on do I like this game and now I have finished it and played it a lot so I could finish it in time for the podcast. No, no, I do not. Yeah, there's there's really no point in pretending like like I was aware of all the big like issues that this game had the first time I played. The stuff we've heard before, to, like just in the on the podcast. Believe it or not, I'm a white male. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time just unassumingly benefiting from the privilege of like the whole world caring to me. Like, that's that's not brag. It's just a sad fact. So at the time, like I didn't really talk to many women about games. Really, that just it just never really came. Up, other than like World of Warcraft, like it never really came up. So this this game never really got discussed. The cultural conversation just wasn't there in 2011, especially for people like me, because I was somebody who wasn't being hurt by this stuff. So it just never occurred to me. And like it it really took. Like Gamergate in 2014 to like shake me like well shake the whole industry and like by association people like me who like started to see what other people were feeling when they had to play these games and it it just feels really sad that it took like a hate movement of Nazi scumbags to like make me actually open my eyes to something but that's just how depressingly recent this sort of thing is it just it just never occurred to me that this was, I mean, this game had this many problems until I saw Sasha's stream. That I saw the mood shift, and then it suddenly kind of hit me that, holy shit, yeah. If this game came out today, I'd be like r- ranting about it on Twitter for like, and people were, like just getting fed up with me. But like at the time, it just washed over me. Like all the stuff, all the bad stuff that was happening, it just never, never registered. 
it was just like background details to like playing a cop game it just never clicked as like a real thing it was yeah so it's been it's been been weird like interrogating like my own like obliviousness while playing this like while going through this game again i didn't i wasn't a massive fan of it in the first place and now i'm just i'm i'm, I'm glad it failed and i hope everybody involved in it has a terrible time i big big believer in you know normalize learning about something and changing your opinion yes agreed like growth you know i don't think it's that we're noticing because i you know i think there are people out there you know people who tend to be on the wrong side of those privileges who probably notice these things anyway but I, what i'm get, kind of trying to say is i think that we talk a lot more openly now about yeah. you know how many of the isms are affecting those who are victims of them whether it's sexism racism you know homophobia all that kind of stuff and so becky you're right this game in its exact form right now couldn't be made now it just couldn't because it didn't take the right nuanced approach to what it was presenting on screen and it needed that really to be for anyone that (laughs) wasn't a, a white man really mm. and that's not to say you know people who enjoy these games and stuff it's not it's not even really a judgment on i obviously had a very visceral reaction to it but it's not necessarily a judgment i think that's the other thing that i've had and i had a conversation about this sort of thing recently but more related to friends because you know we all agree now that friends is trash right but like you can still like it but oh, recognize that friends. it's trash. <laughs> yeah, you, you as my friends are trash. Yeah, well, we, um, that. No, I mean, we know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm I gonna mean... edit out everything you've said there and just have that. <laughs> line. Just Sasha just loses it on us, like <laughs> you're trash. She's, she's had all. enough. But no, again, it's also that, like you know, yeah, normalize learning something, learning about things, and changing your opinion. Normalize having you know being nuanced enough to recognize that the things you enjoy might be problematic and you know it's okay to still enjoy them if that is what you enjoy as long as you're not hurting other people obviously but it's about being able to recognize why something is problematic and i think sometimes the game doesn't do anywhere near enough to point out why it's problematic even down to you know your protagonist and half a protagonist i guess in calso (laughs) i mean the main protagonist is just a dullard (laughs) <laughs> it's just so fucking square and boring <laughs> and the most interesting thing he does in all of it is he has an affair and it's like and it's a shitty thing and it comes out of nowhere and it's like it's just there for forced conflict because then it's off screen it happens yeah. off screen yeah. <laughs> and Roy Earl the absolute shitbag cop just uses that, you know, because when he's getting too close to what's actually happening, then, you know, they have... It's just something that they can... Ah, we have some evidence, actually, and we're going to use it to destroy his life and career. But but also, like, just, just on that point, the whole, like, main plot of the game, like, the conspiracy, comes out of nowhere as well. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you have occasional hints to it in the newspaper flashbacks, but suddenly... Oh, God, those things. Denethor is, like... <laughs> taking over LA and is being really nefarious and it comes from absolutely nowhere. I remember sitting there thinking like, wait, like, was this actually introed at all? Other than the heroin use across <laughs> the city. No there's no through mm. line. There's no plot. No. No. 
It just happens because they needed an ending for the story. And it's lifted from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> Are you telling me that those flashbacks with Dr. Fontaine weren't enough? No, they weren't. Because I got really I, bored I, of them. I'd swear whenever I picked up a newspaper because I realised what I did. Oh no, not another yeah. newspaper. Yeah, like, no, I didn't want to but do that. But that's the thing though. It's like, if they were so... Because the reality is that that is the only link you have to what happens in, like, the final act. So if you weren't picking up the newspapers or you weren't watching them, you know, like, you, because if you did the first one, you're like, you know what, this is a load of shit. Like, what? Then it even comes out of nowhere even more so. The ending of, like, what? Why? Why is any of this happening? I don't understand. And why am I supposed to... Other than, obviously, they're turfing people out of their homes and they're killing people. Why am I supposed to care? Where is my emotional attachment to any of these people and then and then your half protagonist um i find it interesting chip that you liked him less because i feel like i found him more tolerable but only in so much as his transgressions and just you know part of the game generally well he had a bit of an extra dimension yeah but they're they're so minor in the grand scheme but also so incredibly forgettable (laughs) like him as a character i mean it was just his dialogue I hated it. I hated the way he spoke and it really grinded my gears. So that that was and that was kind of because it's at the end of the game and I've just got there as well. It's like that's fresh in my mind. It's like mm. the way that prick talks. So you didn't like the princess, did you? No, oh my God. Every <laughs> woman was a princess. Stop Do you mean it. To say that- if every woman's a princess, who's the peasant? <laughs> well, hang on. <laughs> hang on. Logic, yeah. Wait, are we going to do ironic sexism now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> No, I'm just going with the the analogies makes no sense. Okay, good. I would I would never do ironic sexism. <laughs> the whole the whole ending. We get to the ending. Cole dies. He sacrifices himself. Is it enough to died. redeem what he's done? But also, like, what did he do? Again, though? in the grand <laughs> scheme of awfulness, that is this game with you know your other corrupt police officers and what what's happening with that whole building scheme thing that it's still not 100% clear to me like I kind of get it but also I'm like I just don't see the point I don't see what it was doing but anyway (laughs) in the grand scheme of things his crime was having an affair on a woman that for the most part you forget he is even married to well yeah I didn't even know he was married I did forget it's it's not it's it's only mentioned briefly sometimes when he's in the car with a partner where he'll mention stuff. <laughs> something along, you know, mention like my wife or whatever. No. no. But yeah, no. I mean, that goes back to <laughs> my wife. Um, yeah. No. That goes. <laughs> it'd be more interesting. At least that'd be interesting. Just cold occasionally, just just borrow impressions. <laughs> just to remind <laughs> you that he's married. Just like, like tell me everything. My wife. <laughs> but yeah, it goes. But it goes back to my earlier point. Like the women in the game are there to die or be fucked. That's all their function. Or married. Yeah, but they're not Maybe. but they're not in the game. No, it's true. They, you don't see true. you don't see the wives. I think the only wife you see is in the double indemnity case. She's the only one that has any semblance of personality. The others are interviewed or, you know, dead or for Cole to shag. And I can only imagine yeah. that is an intensely boring experience. <laughs> so we've kind of really laid into <laughs> this game i'm just trying to no no (laughs) let me brush past that entirely 
<laughs> We've really laid into the game, but Chip, I know what you have done is come up with a list of ten positives. So let's oh, finish. Oh boy, do I regret this now? <laughs> let's yeah, finish. You idiot. On how did you positives. Why did you think this was a good section? Yeah, positives. You, you, you misread the, the room. Game. <laughs> you know what? When I edit this, I'm going to put it in just after Sasha gets upset as well, so it seems <laughs> no, even worse. Now here are my fa- <laughs> ten favorite things in the game. <laughs> okay, here we go. So this this took a lot of work. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh huh. Uh huh. This was not easy. No, no. Um, I can imagine. But I have assembled ten. Things. So here are Chip's 10 positive things about L.A. Noir. Is it in like, uh, is it in an order or is it just... Yeah, are we like a hierarchy uh, of things or... Yeah, go from 10 to it, 1. It, 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 well, no, it starts in a sort of like, uh, this is actually a genuine thing to, oh my fucking God, he's reaching here. <laughs> so let's start with the most positive thing I think about the game, the score. I think it is genuinely ace and I can sit and listen to that menu music for ages if I don't remember it's from that game. And I think that is the best thing about the game. The score's yeah, really good. Yeah, that was one of my... Yes. I'd say one of my positives. It was okay. my only positive. <laughs> okay, so I'm one for one. Okay, good. Right. I don't remember anything <laughs> Number two. The score, so you didn't win me over there. This is excellent. Well, then, I'm, I'm not winning this. you over. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. The setting. So I have always loved this period, you know, from movies, comics, you know, film, whatever it is. Uh, the setting is awesome. LA Confidential. Yeah, LA Confidential is awesome, basically. Um, but I would like more better games set in this time period. I think that could be a really interesting thing to explore. I mean, fuck it. Give me an Assassin's Creed game in Hollywood in the 1940s. Oh, Why get not? get one eventually. Come on, it's new stuff. <laughs> but uh, I, I think, again, that's one of the infuriating aspects of the game is it's such a waste of a great setting. Yes, Exactly. Exactly. So two for two. Great. Okay. Uh, number three, the acting. I do think everyone in the cast, even though the writing's not great and is there's a lot of horrible shit, everyone plays their roles really well. There's, you know, they, they perform their characters very well. And I think that, that they did a good job. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Like you lo- you, you're losing <laughs> me now, Chip. <laughs> the the Madman actors seemed good because, I mean, they were stood around... Elizabeth Moss and John Hamm a lot so they just kind of absorbed all of that talent but when they're left on their own they're just very bland I will grant you that the actor who plays Cole Phelps I, I do like him I, I generally liked the acting aspect in this like like he when he's doing his psychotic turns he does really go for it yeah yeah like you say he it's, he's not to blame for writing or direction really and I li- I liked him in Mad Men and in other stuff that I've seen him in. So I, but you're losing me. You are losing me. But yeah. I'll grant you it. Well, on on that note, number four, mm-hmm. all the actors that are from Mad Men, Angel, and Buffy, <laughs> because it's nice to go ah, oh, that man and ah, oh. and there's a bit in you know the Howard Hughes uh one. Yeah. There's a bit when you're with is it Herschel, your partner in Arson? Yes. So he's a character. Of, uh, he plays Holtz in Angel, who uh, is like a vampire hunter that comes to the future to steal Angel's child, who is also yep, in uh, is. this, also from Mad Men. <laughs> yes, and then he uh, he knows this other guy who's another former cop who plays in Angel, the person that brings Holtz to the modern day. And I was like, oh, I remember that season of Angel. Connor. Okay. Mm. So I mean, so so what we're crediting now. Is this game for reminding yep. you about something else that you actually enjoyed? Yeah, yes. okay, when I played okay. it, I thought, wasn't Mad Men really good? <laughs> I did enjoy Principal Flutie popping up. He was an underrated Buffy character. <laughs> Number five, 
you can drive a fire engine and other such vehicles and your partner gets really confused when you get in one. <laughs> it's very specific. No, you're not. You're not oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it amused me greatly was stealing weird cars and your partner being like, what the fuck? Why are we going in this? You're like, because it's a fire engine, motherfucker. And that's my number five. I mean, I, I wasn't you. I didn't experience that. So I can't agree. <laughs> okay. I tried to make the game fun, okay? Number six. I like all the little documents that you pick up through the game, the, the clues and stuff, and the how they all look like they've been properly typed up on a typewriter, and they look very authentic and nice, and I enjoyed that that bit as well. Okay, getting really granular in the detail now, aren't we? We've we got four more to go. Set dressing, okay? Mm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> pick it up, all the stuff we had to pick up that was useless. You mean? Uh, well, no, this is the bit that's sometimes handy because it tells you what you're doing and with some of the clues that are on the, the typed up pieces of paper that look nice. Number seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Cole has one good line that, was, <laughs> that made me chuckle. He has one good line that actually made him seem semi-human. So uh, it's when you're, uh, I think it's on Vice, and you find all the marijuana in a soup can, and he says... About because he's talking about like how much weed is in there, and he's like he's looking at it and he's trying to measure it up, and he says, "Oh, about half a can." Guess that makes me a pessimist. No. no. <laughs> That's terrible. Is that a good line, or is it just a good line? It's better than the rest. Yeah, that one. Okay. That it's one. just because it wasn't horribly offensive. <laughs> I think. Yep. I think what I'm laughing at there is your enjoyment of that line. Yeah. Like I gave a sensible chuckle. Oh, chip. Okay, right. Number eight. Num. <laughs> you can pick up your hat. <laughs> I guess Red Dead Redemption Two did rip off Ellen. Wow. Just, just in the hat, picking up. Just in the hat. They played. They looked at that game and thought, yeah. What we're definitely doing that part. What we'll do is we'll let them pick up the hat. That is one of my favourite parts of Red Dead Redemption Two, though. Just occasionally See? picking up the wrong hat. Putting on a big straw hat by accident. Because you just knocked out a farmer. <laughs> Are we nearly done? Number nine. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're, we're at number nine. Don't worry, we're nearly there. Uh, number nine. Okay. There are some aspects of the story which are a bit interesting. Some. I know they mostly come from LA Confidential or Roger Rabbit, <laughs> apparently. Both classics. But occasionally... It's not like a hundred percent bad, like ninety-eight percent bad. There'll just be like an odd little nugget of a thing where you're like, okay, that's a little bit cool. That's a, a story that example. is not badly written. Did nope. you... no, we're going to need an example. Uh, number you're ten. Gonna, no, you're no, say... no, have an example if that's. What... You've got to have an example if you're going to say there's something good in the game. It has to. Be. Okay. Okay. We have to be uh, right. Pinpoint okay. It. Okay. Um... He's okay. gone to Wikipedia now. <laughs> no, I'm trying to use my brain and it's really not working. Are you, are you, are you doing um, a big think? <laughs> I am doing a big think. It's not helping. It's just so weird. I'll, I'll come back to you on that. I'll come no, back no, to you. no, no, no. We, we do no, not we come not, back. We're not no, circling back. We are not circling back. <laughs> Chips nine positive things about L.A. <laughs> Noir. What? Okay. There must be some like you wrote it down. There must have been something in the story that you liked. You can pinpoint it. And as and as long as you're not going to say it's the murder section, which I cried about about an hour ago, you know we won't judge you too harshly. 
Just see, as I, I saw that was coming up, and I was trying to think of like, why did I put that, and what was it meant to be? Um, yeah, no, I can't think of anything else off my head. Sorry. So number nine's done as well. <laughs> okay, so last one, last one. You've got one. Last one. That's only because like two other people agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. Cole's little drawings of the people that he interviews. He's quite the artist. <laughs> it's, it's a waste of time, like in universe logic wise. Yeah. Why are you doing that? Yeah, but it, it's it's nice that before he yelled at them about putting their babies in prison, he did a little sketch. <laughs> what, what, it was quite nice. He's good. He just he's sat good in front of them like doodling in silence. And they're like, what are yeah, you doing? He didn't do a caricature or anything like that. He did yeah, it. Proper. He should have done a caricature, like put them in a little car. It might have been more interesting. No, that would be very unprofessional. Yeah, more interesting. I would have that. that would have that would have had that would be character. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Hey, he has got skills, and you can't take that away from him. Yeah, but he just drew what people looked like. That's not oh, interesting. That's, that, that no perspective. He was, good, he was good at it. He was he was good at it. Look, can I give you my two positives? Yes, can I steal one of them for my number nine? <laughs> you can, you can. Thank you. That would be on the score, because I agree with you, the score. I've actually listened to the score, like, separately. Mm. It is very, like, puts you in that place, you know? like. Yeah, it balls my melon, for sure. Yes. Um, That's um, so <laughs> mine is related to the music but I actually really enjoyed the musical cues because otherwise I would have been looking for clues like a dumbass for hours so I like that you had your do 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 when you collected all the clues because then I could immediately stop <laughs> unless you didn't hear it and I had to tell you that yeah you did have to do that but <laughs> but it was helpful yeah it was Ooh. helpful I did like that and like I think there's like a hard mode that you can turn that off, and I'm like, who's turning that off? You just be checking cigarette butts for five hours. No, nope, that's not it. That's but not like it. when you're walking around, and you know, you know that there's clues still to get because it's like do do do, and it's all atmospheric. So I liked the musical cues as well. Like just generally, I thought that was a good signposting way of telling you you don't have to keep searching. It was kind of a necessity though, because it was otherwise a very poorly designed. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like an audio Scooby snack. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah that's one way of putting yep. it. Yep. Let's go with that. <laughs> we'll just, we won't um, argue with that. <laughs> Move on. Chips number nine. Audio Scooby snacks. Just going to put that in now. <laughs> this is also one of those that would be reaching in theory, but I'd written it down in my notes that I liked that when you switched from a cutscene to a playable scene, like say they were walking out of a building or whatever the characters would keep walking for a bit like it it was seamless there was a transition actually designed into it that i think for the time especially but obviously it was a thing that i noticed and thought it kept you immersed in it for better or for worse because you know generally it was awful but there was definitely an immersion there in the way that 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 you would move from cutscenes or you know, even just from transition scenes and before you fully took over the characters, they would kind of keep moving even though you were then, you know, in playable character camera, if that makes sense. Yeah, but that, I mean, we're not going to give them credit for that because GTA 4 and Red Dead Redemption 1 both did that. So they're just ripping oh, up better yeah. games. <laughs> so we're not giving <laughs> them credit for that one. <laughs> That's it's not fine. as good as being able to pick up your hat, is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah the hat, the hat's probably possibly valid. I really liked how all the female hairstyles made them look like the Borg Queen from Star Trek. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. 
that's where I'm at. <laughs> You'd mentioned it of friendship, but... and I'm surprised you didn't mention it again, actually. I think my final positive I would say, I did like the fashion in it. There, there were, as you'd said, there were some very good suits and ties. Suits? And <laughs> yeah. hat combinations. Well, well, come the setting, you know, like the, the period? I mean, probably. It just, I really liked that. And then you could also play, you know, Ken doll with it because you could change the outfits as well. And kid. That always felt yeah. weird, though, because he's such a dullard. Why would he be wearing such, like, sharp <laughs> outfits? Yeah, when he gets the vice one, I was like, Cole would never wear that. It's too entertaining. Like I put him back yeah. in the boring suit, so I was like, "No, you don't get a fun Cole's jacket." W- <laughs> yeah, Cole's far more like Rex Banner in The Simpsons. Just a very straightforward, <laughs> boring man who doesn't enjoy his Sunday. Well, there you go, all your fucking incels. We found some positives about the game, so you can be happy about <sighs> it now. Chip, that, that really that really ties into Sasha's earlier comment of not passing judgment. On yeah. The like, <laughs> <laughs> then again, I did say creepy voyeurs while she was saying that, like under my breath. So. Oh boy, what a journey we've been on. This is this is going to be an interesting <laughs> one. So I guess we've attempted positives, you know, for balance. <laughs> it's probably time to wrap up this rant. And uh, I will hand over first to Andy. I'm going to be really honest, I didn't write up any final thoughts because I just didn't enjoy thinking about this game. It, it was just a just a chore to go through again. I mean, I didn't even bother playing it really. I just like watched footage and stuff, and just remembered how boring it is to play, and mostly just let my frustrations with all of its like representation issues, I suppose I could say, like just kind of fuel my frustrations with the rest of the game. It's just like you couldn't even get this part right, you fucking assholes. <laughs> like I said, I said earlier, I'm a big Rockstar fan, and I'm very glad this wasn't actually produced, like wasn't actually developed by Rockstar proper because it's just it's a stain on their their legacy for me it's just lousy <laughs> becky final thoughts i think it's genuinely one of my least favorite gaming experiences it's reprehensible and has all the depth of a paddling pool despite delusions of grandeur <laughs> and i really hope that i never have to deal with it again frankly that's very fair yeah <laughs> chip i mean what more is there to add from what's already been said uh by andy and becky completely agree i think i think there is a real shame there was some potential in this game in the setting and the idea behind it the very very basic idea behind it if you strip all the nastiness and shit back there is opportunity for a game like this if done in a completely different way if that's not if that makes sense, you know, like I think there, there's, there's something in the idea. It's just that Team Bondi did a very, very bad job of it. Just do Phoenix right. Just, just play Phoenix right. Yeah, just, just play, play Phoenix, Phoenix right. right yeah, just play Phoenix right. And I guess that leaves me, and I think I've made my feelings clear from start to finish. So, <laughs> I, I, I see where you're coming from, Chip, and and it was one of those games where I don't quite know why I avoided it when it came out. I don't think it was like an active decision. I think it was just a just a game I didn't pick up at the time. And then when I did eventually get around to picking it up, I was so excited um, based on the setting alone. And this idea of as well, it looks like, you know, cause it, it starred 
real actors. Not I'm not suggesting that video game actors are not real actors, but you know what I mean. It starred actors that I recognise from television and from film. It had all of the makings of I'm going to actually be in a movie. I'm going to feel like I'm in a movie more so than any game before had done. And it was kind of on the back of Heavy Rain as well, wasn't it? Which kind of had that sort of, you know, you are the main character in your own film sort of thing. It's incredibly disappointing to find out what it actually was. I think as well, especially when so many people told me that it's a really good game. And I'm really sorry to the people that did and that I'm going to say this, but it was exclusively men that told me that. And like I say, it's fine. We experience the world differently and maybe it's just not as glaringly obvious until it's pointed out to you if you, you've you not experienced some of those things. So yeah, it it's kind of, it feels like a really ugly game to mm. me, not aesthetically, but more just in its intent and its content. It never really felt like it did enough while I was playing it to say a lot of the stuff in this is bad. You know, I don't know. It just oh, it just leaves a really horrible, icky taste in my mouth. And I hated it. I hated it so much, so passionately. And I'm going to burn the disc so that it cannot hurt me or anyone else. <laughs> a solid seven out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Swinging around to my recommendation. That's absolutely fantastic and does everything this game seem to want to do but so much better i am recommending the fade out yes. comics by ed brubaker and sean phillips it's the same setting it's kind of similar ideas really i don't i don't really want to spoil it at all um it's it's three if you buy it as trade paperbacks it's three comics um or you can get it as one collected edition it's not very long but it does this so fucking well. Um, I mean, I would say that about any Ed Brubaker Phillips anyway. Oh, so, you know, amazing. it's like extra yeah. double recommendation there. Like, pick <laughs> up anything <laughs> that they do. Um, they actually do a lot of stuff in and around, like, this area and era. So, it's so good. The Fade Out. Read it. Or else. <laughs> or else. <laughs> I'll put your baby in prison. <laughs> yes. That is, that is us. That is LA Noir. That is our feelings on that. And thank heck it's over. I have been Bash. I am Bash at Demonhead on Twitter and Twitch and social media. Chip. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at the Chip Thompson. Or you can come and watch me play things like Phoenix Wright on Twitch, where I am uh, Chip Thompson's thumbs. I'm Becky. Uh, I am Becky Gracely on Twitter and uh, Instagram. And I am not yet on Twitch. <laughs> and Andy. I am on Twitter at truly underscore defective. And that's it. Because I'm very lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I exist nowhere else. That's all you get. You, you can't find me anywhere. We are the one-up pod. Which, we're not the one-up pod. Did we use the? We are the one-up pod. I'm going with it now. Yeah, um, We are at one-up pod. One U-P-P-O-D. <laughs> I keep thinking when we say odd, people might think it's two Ds. Yeah, I just got podcast. One U P P odd. Two Ds. It just sounds great. Yeah, one one U P P odd. Well, that's who we are. (laughs) (laughs) Find us places, please. Follow us and 
subscribe and rate us highly maybe be, be nice if that's what you want to do you do you um yeah thanks so much for listening and then remember yeah get alive and play video games <laughs> you want me to say that again yes, please. I'm singing. <laughs> I'm singing, yeah. get a life and play video games and i still did the finger guns <laughs> you keep lying to me and i'll send you and your baby to jail <laughs>